0: Would you pray with me? Loving and gracious God, may the words of my mouth and the meditations of all of our hearts be acceptable to you, our rock and redeemer, amen. Being the church. So first of all, as we've already said, happy birthday church. Today, the day that we celebrate Pentecost is considered the birthday of the church which makes us, as I said before, about 2,000 years old. Now, if you think of it in terms of generation, where one generation is the average time it takes for a child to grow into adulthood and have their own children, which is considered about 25 years, that's 80 generations the church has been here. Can you imagine the amount of change that's taken place in the world over the last 80 years? Just consider the differences between the seven generations that are still alive today. There's the greatest generation, born between 1901 and 1924, followed by the silent generation, the baby boomers, generation X, the millennials, gen Z, and the most recent generation, which has been deemed the generation alpha. So even the difference between two relatively close generations like the baby boomers and the millennials is pretty dramatic. The baby boomers who were largely shaped by educational reforms as they grew up are known for their participation in ideological challenges to society such as the countercultural movement of the 1960s. Was anybody there? Yes, okay. While millennials who were raised with a relatively ubiquitous access to the internet throughout their lives are considered more tech savvy and have a more global perspective. So in a short span of just three generations, there's significant differences in the general characteristics of the people who are part of those two generations. Now, let's extrapolate this three generation span to the 80 generation span. So you might expect people today to be nothing like disciples of the first century. And in many ways, this is obviously true. We don't have the political instability, the economic systems or the cultural connections to those first century Christians. Yet we do relate to them in many ways through scripture. We can empathize with the challenges that they endured, and we can feel the same sense of joy that they must have felt when they had certain positive experiences. In today's passage from the book of Acts, we encounter one of those moments of celebration following a period of difficult challenges. The disciples were all all gathered in one place sometime after Jesus had ascended. And they were probably very tired and confused. I mean, they had been on an emotional roller coaster for several weeks, having witnessed Jesus's crucifixion, then his resurrection, and then his departure again when he ascended. He promised, he promised a comforter or an advocate would be sent by God to guide them. But they had no idea when they would happen, that would happen, or what they were supposed to do until it did arrive. Christ himself was expected to come back one day, but they had no idea when that would happen either. It must have been a very challenging time. Despite their confusion and anxiety, they faithfully prayed and waited for a sign that would give them a clue as to what to do next. And then suddenly, without warning, there was a sound, a sound like the rush of a violent wind and it filled the house where they were gathered. Scripture tells us that divided tongues, as of fire, appeared among them, and a tongue rested on each of them. All of them were filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak in another language, as the Spirit gave them ability. So notice that these weren't unknown languages that required a special gift of interpretation. These were languages spoken by people from other nations in the region. Now, Jerusalem was a relatively metropolitan city, where there were people there from many different cultures and cities around them. We're told that Parthians, Medes, Elamites and residents of Mesopotamia, Judea and Cappadocia, Pontus and Asia, Phrygia and Epphylia, Egypt and the parts of Libya belonging to Cyrene, and visitors from Rome, both Jews and proselytes, Cretans and Arabs. Everyone living or visiting in Jerusalem was able, able to understand these messages that were being proclaimed by the disciples in their own mother tongue. Yet the disciples who were relaying these messages from the Holy Spirit were from Galilee a small, obscure region to the north which is normally characterized or not normally characterized as particularly sophisticated. Now everyone who heard the disciples speaking were amazed and they wondered, what did it mean? The fact that these disciples from a relatively poor part of the world who had recently lost their teacher were suddenly praising God in at least 15 different languages must have been a sign. The stories of Jesus and his disciples probably circulated as rumors around the city. The brilliant teacher who had gained great fame for a while was quickly tried and executed by the leaders of the land. Three days after his burial, he was raised from the dead, but he was no longer with them now. Some say he was, went to be with God, but nobody knows where that place is or how to get to it. The disciples must have been overcome with joy and excitement when they experienced this rush of the Holy Spirit, since it gave credibility to what they had been saying all along about their encounters with Jesus. And it reinforced their faith that Jesus truly was with God and was able to fulfill that promise of sending the Holy Spirit. They were so excited about this experience that some felt they were drunk. But Peter stood up and addressed the crowd, pointing out it was only nine o'clock in the morning, first of all, of course they weren't drunk. Besides, although excessive drinking may cause someone to speak differently, it doesn't empower them to speak new languages. Then Peter reminded them of the writings from the prophet Joel, who said that the last days would be marked by God's spirit being poured out, enabling people to prophesy, to see visions and dream dreams. So yes, this was a sign. And Peter warned those in Jerusalem to respond to this sign by repenting and receiving the Holy Spirit. And then referring to the writings from King David, Peter explained to them that the man they had executed, Jesus, was and is the Messiah. As David had prophesied, Jesus was resurrected by God after his crucifixion and has gone to be at the right hand of God. So Peter's arguments were so persuasive that the crowds started to become frightened. They realized that their generation, the King David, was the one that King David had written about, which would be the one that executed God's anointed one. So they wondered what should they do or what could they do. Peter encouraged them by telling them that they could be saved through repentance, baptism, and faith in Jesus Christ. If they became followers of Christ, they too could receive the Holy Spirit, which Jesus had sent. According to the author of Acts, about three thousand people were saved or added to the Christian community in Jerusalem that day. This is the day that we call Pentecost and why we consider it the birthday of the church. But you may ask, weren't there huge crowds that followed Jesus while he walked the earth? Why is this considered the beginning of the church as opposed to maybe the day that the Sermon on the Mount was offered or some other day when there were thousands of people gathered to hear Jesus? This day of Pentecost is different Because this was the first day that Christ had ascended, after Christ had ascended to be with God, when the Holy Spirit was given as a special sign and thousands of people came together as a people of faith to serve as the body of Christ on earth or to be a part of a church community. And after all, what does it mean to be in the church or to be the church? For a long time, personally, I thought that the church was the building or the place where people gathered together on Sundays to worship. But the year around the year 2000, I started attending a new United Methodist Church plant in Mason near the house that I was living in. And this was a congregation without a building. They rented school gyms on Sunday mornings so they would have a place to worship. And they brought everything needed for worship into the school early in the morning and then packed it up after the service and put it on trailers to be taken away. There were stage lights and sound systems, microphones to the stage itself, musical instruments, backdrop curtains they had to set up every week, set up and tear down. I joined this community and over the years we met in different schools because of contract negotiations or as a matter of getting closer to a plot of land that was eventually donated to the congregation. But we were always the same church, no matter where we gathered. We had a connection, not based on a building, but on the relationships that we had developed with God and with each other, as we experienced those various challenges and celebrations that we had in our lives. Similarly, similarly, our church here in Yuma Is built on special relationships that people have forged over many years we have a wonderful family here that has been passed down to us over several generations but it's our love of Christ and the compassion that we have for each other that bind us together as a congregation the first members of this congregation who started gathering at the first United Methodist as the first United Methodist Church of Yuma back in 1893, I believe it was. They came together not because there was a building available to to worship in, but because their love for Christ and each other brought them together. This is a love that continues to be expressed in the way we encourage each other in difficult times and celebrations of milestones together, the way we serve in community, and we offer hospitality to the visitors who come visit us. It is our relationship and commitments that have built this church, whose building has also moved over time. As you may recall, this church used to meet in a building a few blocks away. The brick and mortar that we see are really just a visible consequence of these relationships that have been shared over the years. And they reflect a generous sharing of many gifts that have been given in different people over several generations. Of course the gifts that we share are diverse but they all come to us from the one true god as the apostle paul mentioned in his letter to the corinthians as he encouraged them to grow with greater respect for each other there are many gifts but they all come to us from the same holy spirit some of us are more gifted with wisdom others with knowledge and still others with faith or healing powerful deeds prophecy discernment all these are acted by one and the same spirit who allots to each one individually just as the spirit chooses Paul wanted the church houses in Corinth to understand that every person in the church has an important role to play he wrote for just as the body is one and has many members and all the members of the body though many are one body so it is with Christ. For in the one Spirit we were all baptized into one body, Jews or Greeks, slaves or free, and we are all made to drink of one Spirit. It is this sharing of our gifts from God for the purpose of expressing the will of Christ that makes us the Church. Through our continued relationship with Christ and with each other, We are called to express the same love and compassion to all of creation that Jesus showed those first disciples when he walked the earth 80 generations ago. So much has changed between now and then, and we're very different from those first disciples in Jerusalem who experienced the rush of the Holy Spirit at Pentecost. But the call to love and be kind has never changed. That is something that is timeless. So I encourage you to consider the gifts that God has given you and think about how you can express them here in this congregation and in this community today. Coming together to express selfless acts of love and compassion in the world in response to the love that God has offered us is what I think it means to be the church, amen.